Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day guys, hope you're having a cracking Saturday. We did our underrated halves of all time, and a guy that featured heavily in that was, of course, Brent Shifty Sherwin, the Canterbury Bulldogs Premiership winning halfback from 2004. An unreal player, an incredibly underrated player, in my opinion. One of the best short-kicking games I've ever seen, if not the best short-kicking game. I probably would say the best short-kicking game I've seen, to be perfectly honest with you. We spoke about him the other day and went through his career, and I mentioned that I might re-upload my interview with him. I know I upload so much content that it can be hard to go back and find interviews. Had a lot of people message me that they would love to hear from Shifty Show and a guy that hasn't given too many interviews or been on many podcasts since he retired. So I'm going to drop it today. We did this in two parts with Shifty and I've combined the two parts. So at about the 40 minute mark, there's a little break. There'll be some advertising there for Sportsbet uh, as we have had for the last few weeks. After that, you'll hear part two as well. So all of it's going to be right here. Enjoy your Saturday afternoon footy, guys. Tomorrow morning, we've got a really special podcast dropping where I go through the current Queensland team and I open up all of these eligibility rules and I bring everyone in that isn't eligible to play for New South Wales and allow them to play for Queensland and I come up with the best 1-17 to that I possibly can. There are some massive changes to this team and it's very, very interesting how they would line up. For now though, I'm going to hand you over to Shifty. Enemy uh, 50 squats, the gym was packed, so yeah. Yeah, that was probably Willie Mason that uh, threw that one up, I'd say, something like that. Yeah, mate, you must be uh, you must be stoked that the uh, iPhone didn't exist back then. Oh, 100%, percent, mate. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of boys uh, back in the day are happy that they weren't around. Bit of George Costanza with the uh, shrinkage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was going down in the gym and went up around. A ball one picked up by Sherwin. Here's a chance for the Bulldogs. Nobody in front of the halfback. Nutley is chasing. Shifty, welcome on. How are we, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, all been going really well, mate. I saw that last season you were doing a little bit of work with the Canterbury Halves. Have you still been doing that this year? No, I actually uh, haven't been involved this year. Trent's a halfback, mate, and he's he was a good player in his day, and uh, I wish him all the best. Uh, hopefully down the track, mate, I can get involved, but at this stage, mate, it's uh, 
I'll be uh, watching it like everyone else, uh, hoping they do well. Mate, they've certainly done well over the last few weeks, at least, or months. Uh, A number of big names arriving at the club. It's the first time in a while that the Canterbury system seems to be on the up. 100%. They've uh, they've recruited really well. So a few key key areas that we were kind of lacking a, a little bit. Um, yeah, they've really bought well and hopefully they all uh, gel together and, um, yeah, play some play some eyes up footy, mate. That's what, that's what I want to see. Mate, the first question I want to ask you, the nickname Shifty, uh, for some of our younger listeners, where did it come from? Who coined it? Just uh, a few mates just gave it to me, um, mainly uh, Corey Hughes. Yeah, just stuff I did on the field and, and off the field. Um, they just thought I was a shifty bugger. So that's where it kind of came and then it just kind of rolled off your tongue and, yeah, now, yeah, walking down the street a couple of times, like someone yell out shifty, I think it's a mate. But, uh, yeah, Bulldogs fans, so it's, uh, it's quite good, actually. And, mate, they're one hell of a fan base, aren't they? Love it. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, one of a kind. And uh, hopefully uh, they get behind the boys this year and really uh, give them a good push and uh, give them some confidence and uh, hope, hopefully they know they've got the backing of the fans. Mate, before we get into your career, I did have a Canterbury fan that sent me a message this morning, uh, one of your proper fanatical fans, and he um, he hasn't given me any context to this, so I hope it's uh, I hope it's relevant. He, he told me to ask you about the time you saved a bit of money by doing some naked squats. Is there a story here? <laughs> I hope there uh, is, because I've gone all in on it. Yeah there's, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of truth to the rumour. Um, no one else had done it, so I quickly ran down and me uh, 50 squats the gym was packed so yeah yeah that was probably Willie Mason that uh, threw that one up I'd say something like that yeah mate uh, you must be uh, you must be stoked that the uh, iPhone didn't exist back then 100% mate <laughs> uh, I think a lot of boys uh, back in the day are happy that they weren't around bit of George Costanza with the uh, shrinkage yeah, that's right. She was going down in the gym in winter <laughs> mate uh, take me back to the start of your Junior footy, uh, where, where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in Mulpera, um, just in a, well, in a west. Uh, played for St. Christopher's. Yeah, just played there for uh, over 10 years. And then I kind of just went through the grades with the Bulldogs. So Matt's, Matt's SG Ball, Trees of Flag. Then I did, did my apprenticeship, mate. I did uh, a year in um, reserve grade on the wing with, uh, with Terry Lamb. He just said, if you... If you do a job for me on the wing, I'll give you a go at halfback next year. So I did kick goals. So I was kicking goals back then. And then um, he gave me a shot the next year. And nine games later, I played first grade. Can I ask you, mate, coming through Howard Matt's SG ball, uh, you know, I assume you wouldn't have been the fastest half around. There would have been other guys with, you know, probably more highlights to their game. Did, you know, was it hard for you coming through? Um, actually, I wasn't too bad back then. I was a lot quicker than I was. I'd, I had a hip operation in 2004 yep. after the grand final and they I had to get an arthroscope done and um, a bit of the bone in the joint chipped off and it was digging in so I had to get that cleaned up and then I just couldn't lift my leg my leg wouldn't come up as high as the other one yep. so I couldn't I couldn't get I just lost all my pace uh, I wish I didn't do it but then again I was in agony for about 18 months because we didn't know what it was so, my right hamstring felt like it was going to tear, end up being my left hip. Mate, tell me about Terry Lamb as a coach. I mean, I imagine as a Canterbury junior, coming through in that area, he would have been an absolute god to you. 
hundred percent. I'd looked up to him for years, and he was. Remember, he was the most easygoing coach. And if he just he just said, "Yeah, if you think it's on, and you back yourself, do it." Like, if, and that's kind of I kind of use that through the rest of my career. Folks, he was a little bit the same. He tried to be make a little bit more structure out of me, but I couldn't. I just played what what I seen in front of me, and that's probably what we one of my best uh, best attributes was. So the boys kept saying, "We'll have a little bit of structure, but then you can go off on your tangent if you want." But yeah, now Bar was good, mate. Just training was fun. He's always been cheeky or tripping you over, or you just had to be careful where he was because he'd always try and do something to you. Mate, I imagine that period where you were playing on the wing for Terry Lamb, were you were you a bit nervous during that period that you know you were obviously playing out of position and we see we see so, so many guys come through first grade at a certain position, then they sort of end up in that utility sort of role and it can really it can really ruin a lot of careers. Were you nervous about that at all at that age? Uh oh wanted me chance just to show him what I could do at halfback. So I just these days I think no no one does the apprenticeship anymore. They kind of you're good enough, boom, you're straight in there, and you got the you got the fans, and you got the coach, you got your teammates, and I, I think the too, a little bit too much pressure. Um, I see Villani's going to put the the three grades in, in again. I think that's going to be fantastic for the young kids coming through 19, 20. That's when I think you should start making your debut, and you've played reserve grade against older first graders. That rough you up a little bit because it wasn't easy in reserve grade. It was it was tough. So I think that's going to be great for the game, and I think it'll be good for the young kids to get a get that get the big hits, and then they can move on, do their apprenticeship, and move on to first grade. And by then, you've played some really tough teams, and they've worked out what position you're best suited. And then you go into first grade, you know your job, and you you worry about that. It's one thing that really worries me in the modern game, mate. You see all these kids that are 17, 18, they've got these unbelievable highlight packages of them playing kids their own age and they're tipped to play first grade so early. But the reality is they haven't tackled an adult yet. Like, it's, it's a huge jump, isn't it? 100%. That's like the 18s, it's 18s to first grade. That's, that's a massive jump. Like, there's some kids that are 18 that are more developed than the other kids. Like, you, you can't. That's why the reserve grade, I think that's a, the best idea I've heard. I've, I've been calling it for years. Who, who didn't lo- love going to Belmore and sit on the hill and watch 21's reserve grade, first grade? That was, you had the whole day and it was it was fantastic watching all, and you knew all the players. It was great. You mentioned obviously being under Terry Lamb, um, you know, one of the best five eights we've ever seen. You were lucky enough to come through the Bulldog system, and they had a pretty handy seven at the time. Of course, Ricky Stewart has made had made his move from Canberra up there. I imagine, as we said, Terry Lamb would have been one of your idols growing up. But I'm sure Ricky Stewart, with his kicking game, his long passing game, I'm sure he would have been right up there for you as well. Yeah, mate. He was uh, he was uh, he was fantastic, actually. Um, he got suspended for two weeks, and that's when I got my start. So I thanked him for that. <laughs> Um, but then when he came back, they moved me to five eight, which was great. And then I got to just what he does on the field, and and just I just try and learn learn off him like everything he did. So he gave me one tip. He just said, "I just want you to know what what time it is, the score. Look at your forwards. Are they tired? Kick it out. If they're not tired, keep it in. And then 
what kick is best suited for that situation. And I was, and I kind of ran through that and kept it my whole whole career and made it work work wonders. Mate, he's uh, he's no stranger to giving a good spray, old Sticky Stewart. Did you ever get one from him? Uh, actually, well, he was beside me. He was probably getting sprayed as well from folksy, so that wasn't too bad. But no, nah, he uh, he told the forwards where he wanted, but he didn't. Yeah, he just everyone just respected him, and that's what like he was a class player, and um, he's even he's gone on to be a great coach as well. So um, yeah, no, nah, he knew his stuff, mate. Mate, you mentioned Steve Folks there. God rest his soul. Uh, tell me about when he, you know, gave you your first first grade jersey. You mentioned that Ricky Stewart was obviously out suspended. Did you know once he got suspended that you'd be the next man up? No, I did. I didn't actually. I, I was hoping, um, but then yeah, yeah, uh, Folks he called me in and uh, told me, and um, he goes, "I'm not going to tell anyone until later in the week," because I think they put, um, I think they moved, they had moved Glenn Hughes into that position just to throw him off a little bit told me to play how I've been playing in reserve grade and he said just support the forwards he said that's all I want you to do he didn't give me a massive game plan he said I just want you to kick in the corners and um, defend and just steer the boys around and we got the win so got to meet pie the first game so I didn't score many so that was uh, quite a good get off the, the golden duck straight away run me through that try mate yeah, just support um, Dennis Scott. He ran behind behind the uh, like a Anthony Watmau line behind the the markers, and I just pushed up on the outside, and he gave it to me, and um, they scored under the sticks, mate. And, uh, and then you got Darren Smith running over and giving you a hug, and I'm just going, "How good's this? You can't beat this." Having a look at this side that you made your debut in, and I, I, I think it's a, a pretty underrated factor in your career because you had so many good ones around you, but you're a pretty handy goal kicker. I'm having a look at this side. Halligan, El Masri, Daylight, then Sherwin in the goal kicking ranks. Two pretty handy kickers. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't uh, really need to, to do any. I used to try and um, practice with Hazem a couple of times and try and beat him. So, yeah, no, they... they was. <laughs> Jook was unbelievable. He just looked like he was baking a cake as he kicked the ball, and it just never missed. And it, it was one, um, it was one plus every time we scored a try. Ninety-nine percent out of a hundred, we'd have an extra two points. Oh, mate, it's a huge advantage when you got guys like that in your side. I, I, I think it's even more relevant uh, in the modern game now. Yeah, I think um, goal kickers should be doing a lot more. I think because two. Well, actually, Kyle Flanagan's a really good kicker, so that's going to be a massive plus for us because we haven't had a de- like a not a decent a, a regular goal kicker um, for the last few years. So, can um, start striking it like he was last year. I, that'll that'll help massively. Mate, we mentioned uh, Ricky Stewart. You played with uh, in your debut season. Obviously, a great from Canberra. There was another one in that side, Bradley Clyde, uh, one of the most underrated forwards we've ever seen in my opinion tell me about Clyde I just couldn't believe that he could bet back for the first run after a kick after a kick like every time like I was I was I was handled I was jogging back and there's Clyde he running back past me and I was just like you're a freak he just loved it mate he was just a he just had the best engine I've seen one of the best engines I've seen he, he just did not stop even when he was like he was oh, it would have been early 30s then. Yeah. He was still going, mate. I reckon he could have played on. After he retired, mate, he was uh, he was working at the club. And he was down there on the bike just sweating it up. He, he loved 
he loved it and he was built like a brick shit house. Oh, it was solid. Well, mate, it's scary to think, like, when you're playing with him there, I mean, 10 years earlier, he'd already won two Clive Churchill medals. Just, like, an incredible footballer, you know, as a back rower as well to do that. Unbelievable. Yeah, 100%, mate. Mate, he was a class player, and he uh, he got all the awards, mate. He was, yeah, he was he was up there with the best, and he'll always, he'll go down as a lot of people's favourite. Let me ask you this, mate. You mentioned before that, uh, you know, you were best playing a lot of unstructured football. Do you look at the modern game now and think that we're putting too much structure around young halves? Like, are you glad that you came in when you did? I actually have had a chat to a few people about that, and I don't know where I'd be, to tell you the yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, I did, I've been working with the juniors, oh, I had been working with the juniors last like uh, six years, five or six years, and just how the coaches want the structure all the way from, from 15s, on like that was that wasn't like like we had a little bit of structure you'd have the two or three plays get to a position and then have a look but now they're just play play for play for play for play and i yeah i don't know if it would work for me I, i'm not sure but there's still some players out there like luke Curry. i love how he he looks up and that's what i used to do. i used to get in a dummy half or first receiver i'll be looking up the whole time and oh it's on here and you go we're not not so many people do that anymore. They they kind of they've got a like they've got a plan, um, a set plan, and they do that plan. No matter what the defense does in front of them, like if someone leaves a hole, they still hit out the back because that's what that play was going to be. And that's that's not how I played. I used to tell everyone, I'll say, be ready for it because it's coming. Even though I knew I wasn't passing it. But I knew that forward would be running 100 miles an hour at a gap and he'd be ready and he'd sell it. When they call the big plays now, I don't think they're not 100% into it because they know it's going out the back. Uh, that's, yeah, so I, I think I'd struggle <laughs> For sure. in short. It's funny though, mate, like if you would have come through in this era, realistically at the age of 14, 15, you would have had all of that drilled into you. I mean, and I, I you know, there are a lot of natural young footballers around, and I think, I think they literally just get it coached out of them. Unfortunately, it's and oh, it's it's a disaster, really, because they, you know, there's not many genuine sevens in our game anymore. They're all, it, it's just a completely different game of football now, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You're exactly right. They are. It is drilled out of them. So, and if they don't do the set plan, they kind of they get in trouble. And I'm just take my head a little bit like and but they're getting told from other people to that's what they want so it's kind of not the coach's fault per se like it's yeah it's, it's all a handful I think there's a lot of a lot of people's input where I think if you're a Matt's coach you're the coach it's on your shoulders you play how you want to play you've got certain certain um like moves that they all you can teach all the way through the grades I think that's a great idea but I think it should be just on the on the coach's shoulders to do what they can do. If they go well, they stay. If they if they don't go well, then they try someone else. Shitty, was there a moment in your early career, I mean, your first two or three years, or even in your first few games where you sort of, like, it just hit you in that moment where you went like, fuck, you know, this is first grade now. Was there a tackle? Was there a run? Was there, you know, a spray from someone? What, what was that moment where you went like, Jesus, I'm in first grade now? I think it's because I was trying to catch my breath the first 
like four or five games, it was it was a bit quicker than uh, than reserve grade. I think just the hits. It's like you had to be exactly like if you wanted to go through a gap, you needed to be precise where you where you run. And if you miss skew a little bit, someone will come out of your blind side and just chop you in half. I remember Matt Rua snapped me in half one day, and I just went like I had sore ribs for a week, and I just went, oh, I won't run near him again. <clears throat> run near him again. So, but he uh. Yeah, I, I think that was it. I think it was just the big hits and how quick it was. Mate, you mentioned before uh, that you did your apprenticeship uh, in the first grade system. Like, oh, I'm having a look at uh, your numbers here. I mean, between 99 and 2001, you played 50-odd first grade games. You only played a handful of them at halfback. You're coming off the bench. You're, you're playing at six, a few at halfback. Tell me, where would you have been if you didn't have those three years of sort of, you know, warming into first grade? Because 2002 comes around and you're, you're handed the keys to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Tell me, how, how important was the three years leading up to it? It puts you, puts you the confidence. So when you actually get your, your jersey, you, you got, you've been there, you've done it, you've done it for a few years. You, like I played hooker, I played half, like you said, 5'8". I think I had to go up fullback. I, I got thrown around a little bit to find, kind of find out, like I just kind of filled in. But when I actually got the keys and I'd played with all these boys for a number of years, confidence in me and I had the confidence in them. And then we just kind of went, we just went forward. So without those couple of years, like you don't kind of build your, your combinations up as well. So I think that's a massive thing. So just, yeah, it's just, I think that's a massive thing. Like I said, I keep going on about the apprenticeship. I think the boy, I think the younger kids need to, to do more of apprenticeship. Um, there's a couple of clubs that bring them up for a couple, send them back for a couple. I think that's a great idea. Like change change their positions in reserve grade, see how they go, and then bring them up and see how they go in first grade if there's injuries and stuff like that. I think that's a great idea. But just throwing them up there and just giving them the keys straight away without actually making a dent in first grade with what they've done, I think it's it's a little bit too too soon and too much pressure. Another guy that you got to spend some time under who, you know, I think he's one of the most entertaining blokes we've ever seen. I'm I'm good mates with his young bloke as well. And, you know, some of the stories are unbelievable. Daryl Trindle, uh, he could just do things that not many others could, couldn't he? No, he was good. He was good, mate. He was there for a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, played played with Triggy. He was, yeah, half or five, eight. We, we used to swap around a bit. Mostly I came off the bench when he was playing well. So I'd get in a hooker and we'd work well together and Braith was there as well. So we had a good little combination going there for a while. And um yeah, no, he's uh he's called called Tricky for a reason. Yeah, he could pull some pull a rabbit out of the hat. So no, he yeah, he was he was a good player. Now, mate, as we said, two thousand and two rolls around, uh, you're handed the keys, you're the seven in this team and it kicks off one of the wildest roller coasters of three years I think rugby league's ever seen. Uh, Canterbury go through the absolute highs, the absolute lows, back to the absolute highs. 2002, though, kicks off with a loss and a draw in your first two games. Sort of unprecedented what happens after that, isn't it? Just got on a roll, really. So we had a really good bunch of guys. Like We all got along. We all had a beer together. We all went for lunch. We all. It was a really close-knit group. And I think that's what a massive part of it was. Um, and I, we got to thank Folksy and, and all the, the coaching staff that made that happen because we used to do stuff together as a team all the time, golfing or whatever. And we just got on a roll and it just didn't stop. So, like, I think, uh, what did Penrith get 17 straight as well this yeah. year? Yeah. Oh, that's a 
that's a massive achievement. And and it's lucky that they had to lose a grand final to break their, their 17 straight. It would have been nice to make it. Um, yeah, it's a few people have asked and I, I just didn't, we didn't realize we'd won 17 straight. We kind of didn't worry about it. Like no one used to look at the papers. It wasn't on Facebook like it used to be, like, like it is now. So we kind of just, just worried about our game coming up each week. And if we won that, good. We weren't going to get flogged. <laughs> so we were all worried about getting flogged on the Monday if we lost. So we just kind of, we just kept winning and winning. And before we knew it, they were talking about um, 17, 18 straight. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Didn't even notice. I'm just having a look at your, your score sheets from that season. And I mean, like, there's no games that, you know, you score under 20 points. There's no games that you score over about 46 or so. You, like, just incredibly consistent that you, you were essentially always scoring 28 points or above. And, you know, if any team's doing that, yeah, it's it's hard to lose, isn't it? Well, I see. I didn't even know that. That's, um, yeah, we just kind of, we knew each other's plays. We, we were structured, like, to an extent, but we also played what was in front of us. And I think that was a massive key. Everyone supported everyone. The kicking game was on and Bray's kicking game was on and I had some good chases out there. Like, Hazen was one of the best chases. With, um, like, well, I had, this is how, I had Hazem, I had Nigel, I had Luke Patton, I had Braith. And I had, I had five, probably five of the best chases and your kickers is only good as your chases. So, that helped as well. But we just, I don't know. Everyone knew what was everyone was doing before it happened. It was, it was kind of it was uncanny, really. I don't know. Yeah, I can't put it into words, really. Mate, tell me about Nigel Vunganar. He's a guy that you know for for those peak three or four seasons, he was just untouchable. We talk about like pure centres. He was one of those guys. It was just you just needed to get him the ball early, and he could just make something out of nothing, couldn't he? Mate, you hit the nail on the head. That's my centres and five eight. Like, there's no point me taken two or three steps into the fence because the defense can take four or five steps and it gives gives me outside backs no chance with the ball so I used to catch pass which I don't see enough these days I reckon and then you give them the ball but they're first grade players they know what they're doing and Nigel mate, he was that quick he didn't like training but he was that quick on the field he was unbelievable and he, him and Hazem had a great combination going on the right side and then you got Willie Talao and um, I think it was Gav Lester on the left side. And like, mate, we had a we had a great back five, and that was um, coming out of trouble and and scoring tries. They were the best. Now, mate, we mentioned before about the roller coaster, and here you are. I think you, you'd won sixteen in a row or so, and I believe you go up to Newcastle to play the Knights. Um, I believe Newcastle are leading 19-0 at halftime or 20-0, something around that mark. And Canterbury comes back to win the game. El Masri kicks the goal from the sideline. Yeah. Mate, that, that that afternoon was incredible. That's that's a, that's a rugby league moment that, you know, rugby league fans will simply never forget. An unbelievable game of footy. Mate, Jay absolutely just annihilated us in the first half. We just had no answers for him. And that's why he's uh, one, one of the immortals. Not, ninth immortal, I think. And... Yeah, we just didn't have an answer. And then we finally, we walked in. Like, folks, he didn't blow up or anything like that. He just said, we, we've had no ball. We've had no ball in, in the good half, in their half. He said, just bide your time. Turn them around. Keep kicking. Keep kicking. They're going to make a mistake. I don't think they made a mistake in the first half. 
So then the tide turned a little bit. We got a bit of good ball. We ended up coming over the top and Hazem's kick will be, it'll, it'll go down as one of the, the best goal kicks. That one and Daryl Halligan's in 98 from the sideline to against Parramatta. Those two kicks will be talked about forever. But I guess now's a better time uh, than ever to talk about it. I mean, you know, that day you come up against Andrew Johns. For me, I look back at your career and I think, like, Christ, you came up against some handy halfbacks and five-eights in that area. It really was the golden era of halves. I mean, Joey, Freddie, Lockie, Gower, Orford, like, you just came up against some of the all-time greats. I mean, I know that you never played Origin. Do you look back and think if maybe you came along five years earlier or five years later, it could have been a different story? Uh, five years later would have been nice, so my, but I kind of it brought the best out of me. So yeah. playing against, like I used to love playing against Joey. I used to love going to Brisbane and playing against Darren Lockyer, um, Craig Gowers. I played against him all my juniors. He, he's a a good mate, and I just I just love playing against the, the tough sides. It would have been nice. I got the jersey. I got my name on the back of the jersey, but I just never got to put it on and run out in the field. So I was a bit. Not upset, but I would have loved just to play one or one or two or even one series to, just to test myself. Um, but I never got that uh, got that opportunity. But um, yeah. oh well, <laughs> can't do much about it when it is a ninth immortal in my position. So yeah, um, in saying that though, mate, like I believe it was the two thousand and two season. I I think Joey only beat you by one Dally M point that year or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he only beat there a couple of. Oh, yeah, one or two points. I can't remember. Yeah, no, I was, I was close. So, but um, yeah, no cigar, mate. I was, so, but yeah, he he was a great player, mate. He had it, had it all, um, from defence to running and to organisation to giving good sprays for his forwards. So, no, he was the best, mate. Obviously, uh, going back to that moment, Elmazri kicks a goal. Joey's throwing his mouth guard all over the place. Moment we'll never forget and. You'd know the timeline better than me, but I believe it's over the next week or so that the salary cap dramas start to leak. Is that right? Um, no, nah, we'd, 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 who was it? We'd played Parramatta on the weekend. We'd yep. already lost to New Zealand, I think a couple of weeks. I think it was Newcastle, and then we lost to New Zealand. Played Parramatta. And it came out the Sunday because I, I remember it, mate, because I was going in on the Monday to talk about a contract extension on the Monday. Right, And it yep. came, out, came out in the paper on the Sunday. So they called me and said, don't come in. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Come in, come in for training. That's about it. We've got, a, we've got some, uh, some stuff to sort out. And I didn't know what they were talking about because I wasn't looking at the papers. And then, yeah, it all came out. And then we played the Canberra the following week. We lost 42 to 40, something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So you win your seven in the row. I haven't looked at it now. You lost to the Warriors, then you knocked over Parramatta, then you came up against Canberra. Mate, tell me about, you know, when you did get called in that day, what were the emotions surrounding that moment? I imagine it must have been brutally difficult for you. Yeah, it was quite, yeah. I lost my stomach, mate. I didn't know where to look or what to say or what to do. We all did, all looked at each other because we don't know what we're on. No, none of the boys knew what each other was on. Um, it just, just one of those things, mate. That we, uh, yeah, one of those things that hierarchy. 
nothing to do with us playing on the field. I, I, like I, I think it should have been a fine. Like it's not our fault that they were paying to play different players. But then again, the salary caps there for a reason. It's made us all all different things. It was just gut wrenching, mate. I was to play that well for so long and put my heart and soul into it to have it rip, ripped out from under us. It was it was quite heartbreaking. Mate, I had Brett Finch and Brett White on the podcast earlier this year, and obviously they had a similar experience at the Melbourne Storm and yeah. said that the emotions in the room, you know, there was blokes crying, there was blokes getting angry, there was blokes ready to, you know, punch on with each other. It was just an array of emotions. And you've also spoken about how gut-wrenching it was at the time, but that next training session you all had, mate, what, what, what was the vibe around that training session when you were playing for nothing, essentially? Sure, it was three quarters of them were were hung over because we all went and had a beer. <laughs> so, um, mate, it's it's just a weird feeling, eh? We we got on with it and we like we ended up nearly beating Canberra and we played terrible the first half. I think we were losing thirty eight to to six at half time, something something ridiculous like that. But it was just a feeling, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm trying to think back, mate. I haven't got the best memory. It was just, I just remember it was gut wrenching, and we all just looked at each other and just said, What the f- this have happened? Like, you, this is bullshit. Like, we didn't do anything, we're just playing footy. But it's a part of the football club, and we both got penalized. A few weeks later, the Roosters play the Warriors in the 2002 grand final. You know, two sides that you'd beaten on your run that the Warriors did knock you over. Uh, you know, at the end of that run, they ended it. But was it a was it a bittersweet night? Sort of watching that game, knowing that realistically, you guys probably should have been there. Uh, yeah, yeah, would have been would have been nice to be there. But to be honest, mate, I didn't I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think I, I think I went away. I think we went away. Um, all the boys, we went away somewhere and had a game of golf and had got on the drink and try to forget about that and worry about the next year, what we're going to do. Uh. Mate, it's obviously an experience that can make or break a club. And when you return to the 2003 preseason, what's the feeling around that? Is it, you know, is it a redemption story? Uh, You know, is there, is there still anger towards the club and and the people that made those decisions? What's the feel? I was bored. Rip in and give it a good go. We, we we should have won a premiership last year. We were the best side all year. So let's get it this year. So that's that was our main focus. We didn't we didn't worry about the club, mate. There was a few people that, that actually were involved got sacked. Good people that shouldn't have been sacked that got dragged down with it. But yeah, we just worried about the only thing we could control was our game, our footy game. And we just worried about that. So we ripped in a trainer, mate. We Folksy and Scotty Campbell absolutely flogged the crap out of us and we were fit as a fiddle coming into the season. And I think we finished one game short yeah, for the grand final. I think we, the Roosters got us the week before the grand final. And, mate, you go through a pretty uh, purple patch yourself in the middle of the season. I'm just having a look here. I mean, there was eight weeks. I think you won seven games. You scored eight tries yourself. You you said earlier that you didn't score many. You, you were doing all right for those few weeks. Oh, Oh, someone might have stuffed up and <laughs> I don't I don't remember scoring eight in a row or seven in a row. That's yeah, it's unheard of. So I actually got more satisfaction out of setting them up, mate. Really, yeah. to be honest. I 
every time I got in the clear, I wouldn't be thinking I'm going to beat the the fullback on the outside or step him. I'd just I'd look for support and give get like get the easy pass away and go and celebrate with the person that's actually turned up in, in support to to get the try. That's I just love love that mate. Love looking at the try assists. That's that's what I enjoyed. There's one game, and I believe it's in this season. You'll probably know better than me, but it's it's up at Suncorp Stadium, and and for me. That's the best game I think I ever saw you play. It was just Brent Sherwin playing off the top of his head, and it was just everything you touched turned to gold that afternoon. Did I score two? I think you, you did. Yeah, you scored two. And there's a play that you do down the short side where you sort of wrap around your center and and, and then you put your winger over. I've got the highlights ready to put on my Instagram page, so I might have to put it up there with them to, to remind everyone. But it's one game that I remember. I think you put in a kick, it, it, it hit the post, and then you regathered it to score as well. It was just it was just eyes up footy to its absolute best. I think I'd know the, the games. There's actually two games that you're talking about there. The yeah. one that I wrap around with Maddie. Is when we, I think we won 46 to something, 18. And it was 18 all at one stage. Luke Patton scored three that game, I think. Yeah, right. That's that's the good thing about our, our side. Like, I didn't, that wasn't planned. Like, I just got out of dummy half. Lockyer was on the ground. So I knew they were short on the left side. So I jumped out. I beat Tony Carroll at marker. I gave it a Willie Tonga and I wrapped around him and he just stepped off his left. Passed it, drew in his player, and then the winger come at me, and I just catch pass, and I knew Matty Utah'd be there because good wingers they they're pushing up, and yeah, we end up getting the win from that. So, mate, later in this 2003 season, you play the Roosters in the in the prelim final, and the Roosters knock you off that night. The Roosters put together one of their best performances over those three years, and by this point, match up between the Roosters and Canterbury. It's personal now, and in my opinion, the Roosters lose the grand final the week after because they put absolutely everything into knocking off you blokes. What do you remember from that game? I remember that was one of the hardest games I've played. Yeah, and I we have well, I have uh, we have spoken to a couple of the Roosters about that game, and they were just like, but they were sore. Like that that was sore for that game. We absolutely flogged each other, and like you were right, they the Roosters won the O two grand final because we weren't there so that just started the rivalry from there they are a good side mate that's and they got us on the night and and then Penrith yeah just just knocked them off but they were a good side too Penrith they were a great side arrive in 2004 and I mean it's the start of something incredible for the club and, and for you guys as players tell me what was the difference between 2003 and 2004 did it did it have a different feel to it was there a little less emotion like that was so raw off the salary cap season what what, what was the difference it was a little bit less pressure because everyone was expecting us to come back in 2003 and win it after not winning 2002 yeah so I think there was a little bit of not not heaps of pressure, but everyone kind of we had to have a good year because we deserved it, kind of thing. But you don't deserve anything in footy. You've got to go out there and play. Um, but 2004, I remember we we had a it was a big clean out because everyone took a pay cut from 03 because of the salary cap, and there was a heap that moved on uh, for 2004, and then we got the likes of Willie Tonga, Rennie Matua, Sonny Bill Williams. Um, Roy Asatasi was he'd played for a few years but he was hitting his straps so we had these young kids coming through 
and it just kind of made all the older guys feel a bit younger and um, we just went from there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Showing again. Across and rolling it in. Upright fancy him. Now, mate, obviously you talk about the young kids coming through. Of course, you had a pretty handy halfback that was uh, in your extended squad, sitting on your bench quite often in Jonathan Thurston. Uh, yourself and, and Brayton Astor, though, you two were on absolute fire. And I think it's I think it's an opinion that people have in hindsight where they say, how could Canterbury possibly let go of JT? But hey, without blowing smoke up your ass, like you and Braith, you two were on fire for those few seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Braith, yeah, we... We had a good combination, mate. We we knew each other's games pretty well. And JT, feeling that we lost him, but like you said, you can't sit you can't sit on the bench if you want to play first grade each week. Every week, you got to kind of go where there's a position. So we had a few good seasons, and um, John O have been the player he was if he stayed at the Dogs. So you, it's there's a lot of yeah, look. He's the he's one of the best players in the world, and. I taught him everything I know at training, so. I don't know, mate. He, as a kid coming through, mate, he just loved footy. And he, mate, he wanted to learn. He watched and he he grabbed it with two hands and went with it. And he's, he was, he's turned out to be one of the best players in the game. And, mate, I used to love watching him play. He me and bloke too, so. Have you, uh, have you stayed in touch with JT, mate? Oh, when we catch up, mate, when I see him at the game, he, he come to a luncheon a few years ago and we had a beer then. And um, he's one of the most level-headed blokes that you'll meet. And footy's, like, we're lucky to play footy and that's that's how he thinks. Like, we're lucky to play footy. We're, it's a privilege to play footy. It's not beyond the best. So it's, you just, like, there's, yeah, there's plenty of jobs out there that are, are, are good, mate, but we're just lucky to play a sport that we love and, and he just grabbed it with two hands and went with it. Now, mate, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it's a roller coaster experience. And before we get to the highs of 2004, of course, you kicked off 2004 with some lows. Uh, there was obviously the Coffs Harbour scandal. We're not going to go any details, but how did that affect the club? Because, I mean, something like that happening in the preseason, I mean, you only expect that, you know, the team would struggle during the season. You guys, you just managed to pull together even stronger. Explain to me the, the sort of effect that had on the club. All, all the crap in the papers, like um, we knew it was bullshit. So that's kind of brought us together. Like we knew what had happened and we're just like, this is this is a load of crap. Why are they going on about it? And it sells papers. So they ran with it. And um, I think a few years ago that we had more front page, uh, front page pages than 9-11 had. Wow. For that Coffs Arbor thing. Have, have a look at and see how see that how that works out. But we knew it was all like it's just a load of crap. 
Um, so we kind of just it brought us together, and then we just went on with it. So um, yeah, I don't really like talking about that because I I don't just to someone trying to to get money out. That's all it was. Mate, you mentioned uh, a couple of days on the front page of the paper. The thing that I remember is, geez, you spent a couple of days on the front of the paper for wearing thongs. That's cost me ten. Oh, cost me five grand. Five grand. <laughs> That's, yeah, I forgot to take my shoes. They were in my car at Belmore, and me and Mace walked in with uh with with thongs on, and they were just like, "Where are your shoes?" I was like, "Oh, you know." They, we both walked in, got a fine, but that's. Stuffed up, mate. I, I forgot to take him and literally had to wear it. <laughs> Slow news day, far out. Yeah, that's right. So, no respect. He's wearing thongs. And I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. Mate, uh, let's return to the 2004 season. And um, I mean, you win like eight or nine in a row leading into the finals. You have, you have a loss in round 24 against Melbourne, and then you lose week one of the finals. Were they important losses? Were they losses that you potentially needed to have? Well, no one likes losing, but I think it turned out to be the best thing that we could have had. Yeah. Have had. So when we played, um, I can't remember the Melbourne game, um, but the North Queensland, mate, they came with a game plan and they just were all over us. So we nearly got away with it at the end. But we played terrible. So that kind of gave us confidence saying, if we can play half decent, we should be all right. So we went back, worked on what we wanted, what we did well. And then I think we came back and did the best three games um, that we've played, pretty much played all year. And I, I do remember I had a good Mel- good game against Melbourne. I enjoyed that one. So, But it just led, yeah, led us, gave us the confidence as a team to, to go forward. Mate, obviously the last two weeks of that season, you have to knock off Penrith, the defending premiers, and then I think you knew all along who you were going to play in this grand final. And and for me, this was like this was like a UFC fight. It was almost like the story leading up to it was more entertaining than the actual game. It was it was an interesting game of footy, but there was just drop ball everywhere, wasn't there? A bit of a stop start. I remember, yeah, just the light drizzle. Just it was just a pain in the ass. Um. And it's just, yeah, just a little bit of stop start. And I think it was just a lot of pressure on both sides to have this big eruption of a game because that's the build-up they, they uh, portrayed it was going to be. So, yeah, it was, it was a good good game, mate. We threw a lot at each other. And that's probably why there was so much drop ball because everyone was trying to push that extra pass or um, trying to get over the line just because there wasn't going to be many points scored that we, we knew that. Mate, uh, my listeners have, have been pretty lucky. I've In the last year, I've had Finchie, Fitzgibbon, Minicello on. Obviously, all three are in that team, and they all spoke about weren't overly confident that week. I remember Finchie saying he woke up the morning of the game, and he was in his room with Chris Walker, and Walks looked out the, out the window and said, oh, fuck, it's raining, we're in trouble. And Finchie just sort of thought, Jesus, it's happening again. This happened to us last year. What was your feel around that game? Were you guys confident in the week leading up to it? Um, I can't speak for any of the other boys, but I, yeah, there was a good, there was a confidence. Like we all just, yeah, we all, all knew our job and we were doing it well. And we'd played a few good, good games come leading up to that. Personally, mate, I, I wasn't worried. Eh? I don't know why. I like there's, I think um, I've only watched the game once. Um, and at half time, I'm walking off and I'm just like, 
cruising off, like not kicking stones or anything like that, just walking off. I, I don't know why, but I kind of just had a feeling that we we're going to come back. Uh, if we got enough, if we shared the same amount of ball they had in the first half, I thought we could uh, come away with it and ended up being that way. So, yeah, we're just lucky enough to get the points. Kept them scoreless in the second half, which they hadn't had been held scoreless the whole year. So... Mate, it's really interesting that you say you walked off at half time. You weren't too fast. Like I, I, like I, I was out there at that game, and I just remember the last ten minutes of the first half. Uh, Finchy kicks a field goal out of absolutely nowhere. You blokes kick off. Tupu bursts through and finds Mini on the inside, and then with a few minutes to go in that first half, Minicello crosses the line again. He that try gets disallowed. Do you look back at that try and think, "Fuck! If, if that one would have gone through, if if that one would have been given, it's a completely different game, isn't it?" I don't think we would have caught, uh, pulled them back from that if they scored that last that uh, that last try. That would have been uh, a little bit too far out of reach. But that last ten minutes, mate, that was that was that was crazy. That was intense. They they just stepped it up another 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 uh, another gear. That Finchy field goal that was like we all looked at each other. We were stunned, and that's probably why we we missed the next tackle on Tupu because we we're all kind of going. Geez, that was a bit. It's a bit early for a field goal, but they play well. They finished. I think the last fifteen minutes they were all over us, and we did well. They only let. I think it was two tries in. One try. Good early, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Brad Fittler put in that chip for Walker. It was unbelievable. <laughs> that was precise. That kick. That couldn't have been left a meter or right a meter. That had to be on the spot. And no. he there's was, only uh, one bloke that could put that kick in. Oh, 100%. That was off his left foot too, I think. It was yep. off a different foot. So, yeah, but that's... Uh, yeah, if that Minocello try went in, mate, I think we'll, I think we would have been too, a bit too far out of our grasp. Now, mate, it's an old cliche, you know, it's so important to score first in the second half. But for me, I don't think there's ever been a game where the first try in the second half would have been more important than this grand final. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... Um, I just... I don't know. I had a chat with Braith, and we we're just. I said, let's swap it back because we. I noticed that the the short side kind of weren't moving moving up much. Had some joy in an earlier game against them, and we just hadn't had the ball to try that. So I started going back, and I threw it across the back of the play the ball to Braith. He hit Maddie, and then Maddie took three three over in the corner. It was in the first five minutes. Like it was very early in the second half. I think if it, if it took longer to score, it would have been even harder. So to get that one out of the road if, within the first five minutes was a great confidence boost for us. And, mate, you lay on a try for uh, Hazamel Masri later in the half. And and for me, this is one of two moments in this grand final where it just showed that Canterbury wanted it more. El Masri, you know, he, he should have been wrapped up there well and truly. There was bodies all around him, and he just found a way to get there, didn't he? Yeah, he did, mate. Yeah. So, no, I was... Uh, I remember John was John was on halfback and I yelled it for it and I said, Sonny, come under me. So I, I knew I'd get three or four that would go with him. So I just dummy to him and then I just took off and then ran ran straight at Fittler and I was like, oh shit, I'll, I'll try and see if I can get around him. And he was a bit too quick. But like a good winger, Hazem came in. He didn't stay on his wing. And Jim, mate, Hazem is one of the strongest in the gym. So... But a couple, like you said, there was a couple of bodies around, like clapping, but no one actually jumped on top of him. He 
he was still moving. He hadn't stopped. So they keep saying it was a double movement, but the ball wasn't on the ground. So there's no double movement. He was still moving. That's what I say anyway. It counted. <laughs> they all count. And, mate, for me, when you talk about earlier about unstructured footy and you don't see it as much anymore, this, this is the moment that I was thinking of when it came to you. And this is a moment in a grand final where a team nowadays, they would just go into their structures, into their block play. But you can't prepare for what you threw at the Roosters. I mean, that's one of the best defensive sides we've ever seen. And on the biggest stage, it's just the instinct footy that you played in that moment that broke that grand final open. I don't know. I used me forwards well. Like um, like Mace, he used to get a couple of crabs off me. Sonny Bill, Roy. Like you got to use what you're the players that are in your side. And I knew Sonny would get three off me. And then I looked up and there was only three outside me with three outside me. So if I could take Fittler over, there's got to be a gap on the inside of him. So I just ran at him. I went away from him and he chased me. And then I went back at him and he chased me again. And that's where Hazem kind of, the little gap for Hazem to get through. And he was strong enough to get over the line. But yeah, just trying to, Trying to outside backs room by trying to tackle, get the the inside blokes like uh, messed up with the the forwards. That's that's kind of what what you're trying to get to. So leave the holes out wide for the boys. And mate, uh, for for me, as I said, I was I was out of that game. And when that siren went, I I don't think I've ever heard a louder noise than those Canterbury fans. That was unbelievable. But the last play of that game. Um, Finchy throws, in my opinion, probably the best ball of his career. Michael Crocker takes an absolute pearl, and he looks like he's through. And Andrew Ryan makes, and as I said before, there was the El Masri moment, the moment where Canterbury wanted it more. This moment, Canterbury definitely wanted it more. I think it's, we, you know, we all talk about the Scott Sattler tackle. This, this tackle is the, the most desperation tackle I've ever seen in a big moment. Simply yeah. incredible. He did two of them. If you actually watch the game, he actually does one on Chris Walker earlier in the game where Chris came from, he's, I think he was on the right side, and he's come through and he's cut through and Bobcat chased him for about 15 metres and pulled him up about half a metre short of the line. So, but that last tackle, mate, that that's someone just, just wanted it. Like you say, wanted it a bit more, but that was... Oh, I seen that ball. I was on the other side, and I seen that ball, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I, I couldn't even see who got him because Bobcat was just onto him. He just, my Bobcat had a great engine. He, he was kind of out of the Bradley Clyde mold, mate. He always put his hand up for a run, and he would not stop the whole game. And that's why he was one of our, one of the Bulldogs' greatest captains. I think he was, he was a fantastic player and an even better bloke. And Bobcat that night, obviously, you know, we just mentioned the Mick Crocker tackle. You just said the Chris Walker tackle. I mean, he sets up a try for Matt Utah with an absolute seed of a ball. I mean, he was worth 14 points that night. 100%. We don't win that game if Bobcat doesn't play. 100%. I totally agree. He When he came, he just fit in straight away. Ended up playing, I think he played eight, ten years there. And, made, and he's still one of the, one of the club legends. The siren goes, the celebrations begin. What are the emotions for you? You're obviously a Canterbury junior that's come all the way through. You've been through the nightmare of 2002, the heartbreak of 2003, the chaos at the start of 2004. To finish this season 
with a trophy against the Roosters, your arch rivals over the last few years. I mean, you you couldn't write a script better, could you? It felt like it was a long time coming. Like we felt that we would, oh, we were cheated <laughs> in O2, literally. But um, yeah, no, it's just after the year we had, just to celebrate with the boys that night, after all the shit that we'd gone through in the, the three years leading up to it, it was just a, just the, the cherry on top of the the cake. Like it was just, yeah, I can't put it into words, mate. It was unbelievable. It was dead said. It's something I'll never forget. Just that when that hooter went and we just ran and just went crazy. It was, oh, it was amazing. Imagine, mate, on a personal level, as we mentioned earlier, you came through in an era of some of the best halves ever. And, you know, these guys are playing rep footy. They're getting Dally M's. They're doing this. They're doing that. For you to have that moment where you win that grand final, it's your team. You were on top. Like, on a personal level, I know you're a humble fella, but, geez, it must have been a fantastic feeling. It was, mate. It was. Um, yeah. I just love the boys, mate. And we, we got along so well. And the boys around and play my part. That's that's all I tried to do each game. I played my part. I kicked well. I tried to slow them down as much as I can can in defence. Pretty much just grab one leg and hold on until someone helped me. Um, if I just did my part, I knew we'd go a long way to winning it and back to the boys well that night and kick well and I chased my kicks and I just did all the little things well, the one percenters that folks used to harp on and I think that's why he was a great coach. He used to at that 1% effort to get that last like if he doesn't do that 1% I reckon they score in the corner yeah no it was just amazing night mate it was just amazing night and no one can take that ring off me I know I know I didn't play Australia or Origin or anything like that but to win a grand final my mates you can't beat it you mentioned there your kicking game and uh, my listeners will know I've been a huge fan of yours for a long time and I always refer to you as having the best short kicking game I think I've ever seen. How many hours went into your kicking game? Mate, I practiced nearly probably every day for 10, 15. Um, some other days I'd do longer. Um, but the, when I when I would train, like, we'd get flogged. So, then, like, you're struggling, you're buggered. And then you, I'd go out and I'd do 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, but I'd do some long I do some grubbers, so when when your legs are tired, when you're really you're out of breath in a game, because you're going to be the same. I've already done that. I've done it every week, all year in my head. I know I had the confidence that I knew that I'd be able to put it on the mark, and that's probably why why my my short kicking game was good because um, I did practice, and I always I had some of the best chases. Hazemul Masri's, like I said said this before, your kick is only good as its chaser. Because if no one's chasing it, it's not a good kick. So, but he was, he was unbelievable. Brayton Asser was one of the best. The most opportunist try scorers I've ever seen. He, I would not be even kicking for him and he'd turn up and score. And I'd just go, you're a freak. And he just said, I just knew you were going to do it. And I was like, that's why we got along so well. Yeah, but no, the hours, mate. The hours, I put them in there, and um, I got the rewards, so it was good. 
I think, mate, when I look at, you know, your kicking game, I see that you started your career, as we mentioned, with Ricky Stewart. He was probably the best kicker of the generation before. And then Thurston came through under you, and then he had the best kicking game of the next generation. It was like the three of you had that 30 years covered, essentially. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was quite good to watch uh, Ricky. Ricky do his stuff and that. And he was an old torpedo, um, torpedo kicker. So Kicking with those bricks, too. With the, yeah, with the leather balls. <laughs> um, no, he, uh, yeah, no, he had a good kicking game and short kicking game as well. So I just kind of got off him. If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. I mean, if, even if you're the best, still got to practice because you get it'll it'll slowly slide away. You'd, if you want to stay up here and you do six six sessions a week, if you don't do those six sessions down here and it'll get worse and worse so I used to just try and do as much kicking I always had boys that wanted to come out with me I always say oh, give us 10 minutes Luke Patton was great uh, Hazen was good Matty Utah didn't really like it too much if we got flogged he'd rather go inside but he'd, uh, he'd they'd come out time and do give give me 10-15 and then they'd go in and I'd start doing some long kicking uh, but I was always out there mate running around practicing and my body knew, my body clicked in the mind actually click into gear what I'd done when I was bugged the week before. So it's kind of, practice makes perfect. Mate, I keep seeing that uh, tattoo on your arm there. Obviously the Premier's 04 tattoo. Uh, tell me, mate, after that game, the celebrations kick off and <laughs> I imagine uh, you had a pretty rowdy old school bunch of fellas in that team, didn't you? Yeah, we had a good crew. <laughs> we had a great crew. Um, yeah, no, we all we all enjoyed a beer, a drink, and a party, and we uh, certainly did that that night. Um, fans, mate, I've never seen anything like it. Coming um, back into Belmore, they were rocking the bus. We're on a two-story uh, double-decker bus, and mate, I thought we're over here. It was rocking that much, and we're just. Uh, down past the Leeds Club and we came out and like we even still say this is where the bus was and like a massive area and we could not see a thing the flares going off it was oh mate it was insane insane it was insane for the next week what's your uh, what's your funniest memory from that next week mate I imagine there would have been a few uh, candidates that would have stood up for uh, best on ground performances yeah no there was a few mate there was a few 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 uh, all nighters the first couple of nights um uh yeah i'll just leave i'll just leave that one <laughs> <laughs> we uh yeah no we had a good time mate it was um like i said we were just great mates and to win a grand final like that it was the young kids yeah it was just great good night good times tell me this then uh willie mason takes home the clive for the game who had the clive churchill for your uh celebrations and who would you give it to probably mace yeah <laughs> back to back <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did a double, mate. Nah, he, uh, he enjoyed a party. Um, I reckon Mace would have given it to Mace too, just quietly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nah, he, really good to have a beer with Mace. He, you just don't stop laughing the whole time. Um, he's a champion bloke, and he's um, one, of the great, one of the great players that played for the Bulldogs. So, um, deservingly, he got the Clive Churchill, mate, and... I said he, I think he still wore it. He wore it around for a couple of days too. Big noting. <laughs> Mate, I've heard him talk about you uh, a few times and 
Mate, he's one guy, obviously, he's played at a lot of clubs, played with a lot of champion halves. Uh, mate, he holds you in the highest regard. Yeah, no, we, um, <laughs> when we, uh, we had a couple of beers, a couple of, uh, we went to Mudgee. There was a group, uh, nine of us. We had a beer and that, and we had a few, and so, so did I, and we were just having a chat, and he um, he was started talking, giving a bit of a meaning uh, meaningful talk and that, and just, had a chat to me about that and saying he, he said I have a listen to me podcast he said I've he said Shifty he goes I do rate you as one of the best halfbacks I've played with and and, um, and that was really nice coming from a teammate um, especially Mace because he you don't know if he's telling lies or mucking around <laughs> but but he he meant it and um, I love Mace and he uh, he gave me a big rap and I appreciate that's what I, that's all I want I just want me forwards to have um, confidence in me, and um, and that's coming from him. That was uh, that was good. Tell me about uh, 2005, mate. Uh, obviously, you've climbed the mountain in 04, and it's you know it's not a one year mountain. It was essentially a three year mountain for you guys. How hard was it to come back in 2005 and try and do it all over again? That's quite tough, mate. Um, uh, 2005 was a bit of a blur for me. Um, Personally, I actually, uh, no one knows this, but I got divorced in 05. Mm. Um, so I was having a rough time and yeah, a bit of a blur that year. Um, ended up breaking my thumb at the end of the year and just a, just a bad year for me personally. So, um, so I'm not, yeah, we just, we just couldn't get it going on the field. Um, other things off the field were playing, causing havoc and, people moving around and this and that so a bit of bit, 05 was yeah wasn't a wasn't a good year for me and i think mate you know aside from um from the personal stuff you had going on just as a team i think this is this is something that's really underrated in rugby league the price you pay for success the guys that leave the guys that move on i i, I think what the roosters have done you know winning back-to-back premierships in the last three years or whatever like to be able to climb that mountain again I think people take for granted just how difficult it is. Oh, mate, unbelievable two years in a row. Um, Melbourne, they know how to – mate, Craig Bell, I'd love to watch him train or coach. So I think – I know he, they reckon he goes he goes crazy in the box and that, but they reckon when you're one-on-one, mate, he's, like he knows his stuff. And he gets the players that go there, they just – brings out the best in them. Like he's – I just love to. I'd love to watch him work, and he, that organisation, the Roosters and Melbourne, are the best two organisations for consistency for the last 10, 15 years, twenty years even, uh, that we've seen, and I don't think we'll see it again for a while. Mate, it, it, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, and 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 even in this comp, you have a look. I think over the last twenty years, I think. I think 12 teams have won premierships. So it's, you know, it's so hard to go back to back. It's so hard to stay relevant for three years, realistically. Like it, what the Roosters get, what they lose, gee, they went bang, bang out, didn't they? Yeah. So they, they, they won 18, won 19, then they went out, you know, in yeah. straight sets. But, but to be up there for three years in a row, it's, that's an amazing, amazing achievement. Uh, um, I went, when they lost Victor Radley, I'd, I actually said when they when they lost him, I said they I said they'll struggle to win a comp without him. He's one of the best players in the game at the moment. He's like a uh, he's like a third halfback on on the Roosters side, isn't he? 
hundred percent. The one percenters, like he, he turns up. He takes the hard carries. He takes the easy carry. He takes whatever you want him to do. He's there, and he don't. He doesn't stop. So same as that, Cam Murray. Yep. Him and Kim and Kim Murray, they're, they're very similar players, and very good players for their side. And when either of them are out for their side, those sides struggle. Mate, you come back in 2006. You uh, you play finals footy that season. Um, and, you know, it's sort of the end of 2006. Would it be fair to say it's it's the beginning of the end for your time at, at Canterbury? A um, uh, little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, didn't, I, I didn't have a too bad a season in 2006. Everyone talks about the 02 to 04. Yep. Because um, they were so dominant those years. Um, but we, we played some good footy in 06. We had some, some young guys again coming through. We just... Um, and I think we lost the week before the semis, the grand final. Yeah. Again, uh, I think we lost about four of them the the week before the grand final. We just couldn't couldn't get over. Only got over the line once to get to a grand final and got a win. So, but yeah, no, we played well that year and come up short a little bit and back to the drawing board. And we've got a few more players the following year, and it's kind of. 02 to 04, we had the kind of the same players the whole three years. Yeah. And I think that's what sides are missing these days. They, well, they even, like they're halfway through preseason, they go to another side now. It's crazy. So I've never seen, it's like the NFL at the moment. A little oh, bit. mate, that's exactly what it is. It's becoming uh, Americanized. Yeah, it is. So um, when I was in England, I played in England for three years and, Six months ago in my contract, I went and played with Kevin Walters at Catalans. Moved from Castleford to Catalans. And I, was, I didn't know what was going on. And then guess what? The first, uh, I think the sec, my second game was against Castleford. So I, was, I had to go back to where I started. So, <laughs> Use the same but, locker. Um, <laughs> um, but no, that was, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy at the moment. Everyone's just, I'm kind of, that's a better deal. I'm going there. Like it's, I don't think the deals are worth what the weight in gold at, anymore, like they used to be. Like Bullfrog used to have a handshake deal. That's that's not existent now. Yeah, mate. But before we get to your time in England, two thousand and seven, uh, Canterbury made the finals again. You lose your last four games on the trot, starting in round twenty four, all the way through to the semi final. Of course, uh, the semi final against the Eels that would be your last game in blue and white. Did you? At the time you were playing that game, that there was the potential it was going to be your last game. Nah, no, no, nah. no. Nah, I was. I still had one more year, um, and I'll um, always going to see that year out. But Castleford came because they had won the grand final in the bottom division in the Premier League, and they were going up. Not Premier League, the whatever the league is underneath Super League. Yeah, um, and they said the job's here now. Not next year," he said. "If we're going to sign a halfback, we get we want him for more than two years, not not one." And I played 191 first grade games. I wanted to get the 200, and I just spent. Do you know what? I think it changes. Like I'd been there since I was 15, and I was 29 then. So I'd been 14 years at the Bulldogs. I was like, you know what? I might see how I go. Go overseas and see how I go. And then, yeah, so I ended up ended up signing and asked for a release, and they were they were. They said that I gave them plenty of good service, so they released me. 
just having a look at this side from 2007, obviously when you had to tell guys like Pat and Elmazri, Utai, O'Mealy, Mace, Sonny Bill, Andrew Ryan, all these guys that you'd want a premiership with a few years before, I imagine that would have been a, a tough conversation for you. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was. Um, I actually sent out a text. I, I couldn't I couldn't talk to them. Because when it happened, when they told me that I was released, they said that they'd released it themselves. And I was like, and I didn't even have a chance to speak to them. A couple of them knew that I was thinking of it. So I quickly sent a text out to the boys. And um, Sonny Bill Williams and Willie Tonga actually brought a carton around to me unit where I was living at Cronulla and we sat in the unit and had a few beers and um, I thought that was that was really nice and then I went and we met all the boys um, later that night at Northies I'd say um, and had a few beers there so they showed a lot of love when I when I left and they understood what, what I was why I was going I was so it's a new challenge for myself and a, like a is it what do they call it? Um, a holiday or a change is as good as a holiday. holiday so, yeah. so the other side of the world, why not? <laughs> Mate, I'm sure at the time that moment would have been special, but in hindsight, looking at what Sonny Bill Williams has gone on to do and achieve and the sort of person he is now as a worldwide athlete, for him to hear that you're leaving and take some beers over to your house, it must be must be very humbling. Mate, I, oh, mate, I, I still tell that story. I... That was, um, that was, was it actually? Yeah, it's hard to think of it. Like Willie Tonga and, and Sonny, I only known them for what three or four years. Mm. Um, but the respect they had to come around with some beers and um, has them rang up and blew up at me because I he goes, "Who's going to kick for me now?" So, <laughs> um, but he was the only one that blew up. But then again, he was he um, had his best wishes for me for what I was trying to do and what I was doing. And um, he had, uh, I organised one a Saturday night before I was leaving and every one of the boys come. Uh, we had it at the old Coyotes, Caring Bar. And mate, I've never seen so many people there. And I was, it was just really heartwarming to have had so many people there come for me before I took off. I'm sure since then you've had every Bulldogs fan that's ever seen you come up and, thank you for what you did for the club, but was it a bit disappointing that you didn't have that moment to say goodbye to the fans after a game or situation could have been? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I would have loved to have um, thanked the fans and, and told them how much they meant to me. Um, it's really nice now. I get, not often, but I get a few people that come up to me and just say, do you think you could play again? <laughs> and I go, nah. Nah. I'm done. I'm done, but... They just said we just we used to love watching you play. We loved how how you were. You're a, you're a bulldog through and through, and that's what I love when they say that. Mate, I've got um I've I've got an under sixteens team that I coach, and uh, I've got one kid that always shows up in a Canterbury singlet. And I I was at training last night. And I said to him, "Oh, I've got Brent Sherwin on tomorrow night," and I sort of thought, oh, "I wonder if he's going to know who Brent Sherwin is." And he straight away went, "Oh, Shifty! Oh, Dad's told me about Shifty. He was in the '04 Grand Final." And mate, for you to you know, for for a kid that's age fifteen, I mean, you stopped playing in 07. That was thirteen years ago. And he's only mm. fifteen, and he still remembers who you are, no, knows about you. It, it mate, it says a lot. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, uh, when you get the old, um, 
got you a bit strange. You played footy, like, but you get them every now and again. But no, nah, that's really nice. I'm, I'm glad his uh, his dad uh, enjoyed watching me play footy. Um, I certainly love playing footy for the dogs, and um, I got a had some good years in the sun, mate. Playing footy, playing a sport that I loved. So now it's the real world, and got a family, and yeah, moving on. So, but it's good to good to look back and have a chat with you, people like you, and who um love. I love talking to people that love footy. Um, not the silly questions. I, I like talking footy. So um, yeah, it's good to good to meet these those people, mate. Uh, what does the future hold for Brent Sherwin? Um, uh, plenty of footy, mate. I've got three boys, so um, they're only young. They're eight, eight, six, and two at the moment. So, um, but I've uh, I've got a truck. I drive a Veolia um, uh, waste bin hook bin truck. So I work nights. Actually, I worked last night, and I've got my driver in it today. So. She goes, um, well, not quite 24-7, but she goes close enough. And, um, yeah, just just living, mate, working. And um, I wish I was still playing footy, but, yeah, you can't do it forever. So I love watching the – I'm hoping the Bulldogs go well this year, mate. I'm, I'll uh, watch very closely and um, they've recruited well. So I wish Trent and, and the boys all the best. Uh, they're a great bunch of boys. And I enjoyed my time the last few years working with them. Mate, are your two oldest boys, are they uh, playing footy yet? Yeah, Brax. Uh, Brax is, he's, uh, turns nine soon and he's um, he loves his footy. He um, had a couple of injuries a few years ago. He broke his leg and arm in the space Ooh. of freaking eight months. Jeez, that's a tough gig. He broke his leg at uh, school. Um, tip fib, did both. So he's um, getting his confidence back slowly, but um, yeah, he... He's uh, he's looking forward to it. He loves his Oz tag at the moment, and um, and Nash, me middle one, <laughs> he wasn't playing footy this year. He wanted to go to Nan and Pops and just play at Nan and Pops. And then we said, "Do you want to play?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, I'll have a game." And he scored four tries his first game. And I went, "Okay, he's turned the corner." <laughs> the year before, mate, he wouldn't even get tackled. He'd get up and he'd he'd, he'd go, oh, "My knees are wet. This is this is bullshit." <laughs> so, and the youngest mate, he's going to be my craziest. He's absolutely loose. So it'll be interesting, and um, yeah, looking forward to watching him grow up, mate. Are you uh, are you the sort of father that'll get in and coach the boys, or are you happy to let someone else take over? Uh, I coached Brax a couple of years ago because there was no one else that was there, and that was probably one of the toughest assignments I'd ever done. So coaching an under six side, and I was just a little bit beyond. <laughs> Beyond them, Andrew Mortimer actually coaches my young. He coached both my sons, Steve Mortimer's son, um, and he's fantastic with the kids, mate. And he's really uh, put them in good stead for the future. And uh, I think I just like I like doing one on one with the boys. Not yet. I don't see. I want them to have fun. I don't want them to. I don't want to harp on them so they actually don't want to play footy. Yeah. So I just let them go and. At the moment, mate, the boys play everything. Golf, cricket, they play Gosday, they they do everything. So I'm happy just to do everything with them. And when when they get serious, then I'll I'll start trying to help them a little bit. It's funny, mate, being a teacher myself, you know, every year we get these new these five year olds arrive at school and I always go and meet all the fathers and they're telling me how they're gonna play footy this year, they're gonna do this, they're gonna do that, and I sort of sit there thinking, Fuck, little do you know you're gonna be playing duck duck goose with a football for the next year. 
<laughs> you don't know what you're getting yourself into. It's chaos. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's yeah. A couple of people said they're playing footy, aren't they? And I was like, oh, well, that's their life. I chose to play footy. They can choose what they want to do. Yeah. Like if they don't want to play footy, they don't have to. They want to play soccer. They want to play badminton. I'd be at the badminton training and I'd be at the game. So I don't really, yeah, I'm not, they don't have to play footy just because I played footy. Brax actually hits the golf ball pretty well. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm not teaching him, but I'm happy to say, Braxy, let, I get to play golf if he plays golf. So that's, that's how I get it over the line. You might have to send him in the direction of Braith just quietly. I've seen him strike him. That's one thing we used to do back in 02 to 04. There was, we had about 10 that played golf. And every Wednesday, I used to play a couple of times a week. I think Braith, I played with Braith one day at New South Wales. And he shot six under and didn't play that well. And I just looked at him and just said, you're that's not fair. And I asked him, I said, how many holding ones you got? Thinking he'd say one. He goes, three. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I haven't, I actually, I think I've been about, about that twice. I think I hit the pin once and it just sat next to it. That's the closest, but no holding ones. If I do get one, it'll be like a celebration of the A4 Grand Final. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll get Mason and his Clive medal, uh, Clive medal and walk around with it. Big note and, You'll have to take it off his neck, mate. Yeah, he's still got it under his shirt. (laughs) Shifty, mate, uh, I appreciate your time. I congratulate you on everything uh, you've achieved in your career and post your career. I mean, at the end of the day, being a premiership winning halfback, it's an elite club. There's not many guys in that club, and uh, you're a member of that. It's a a pretty special thing, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Um, I I had some good years in the sun, I keep saying, um, and I really enjoyed... The, my teammates, the people I got to know and got to meet against. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, had a great time while I played footy. So hopefully I can get back involved soon and we'll see where we go with that. Uh, mate, the best is yet to come in fatherhood. So I wish you all the best, mate. And uh, hopefully we talk to you soon. 100% any time. I've got your number now. So, yeah, don't be, don't be a stranger. No, it definitely won't. I'll be annoying you. You'll be wanting to lead it soon. I appreciate your time, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Too easy, mate. You have a good day. Thanks, mate. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.